podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. How's your fantasy team doing, mate? Oh, I haven't sat here in ages. Everyone's bored of it by the stages of the season, now, aren't they? That's enough out of you, you whiny limey. That's soccer, not football. And this is Paddy Power's NFL Fantasy. No season-long boredom, no excuses, and £1,000 in prizes each week. Check the podcast description for your direct link. Paddy Power Fantasy. Hate waiting, love winning. Paddy Power Fantasy rules apply. 18plusbegumbleaware.org Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show presented by Paddy Power Fantasy. It's Friday. That can only mean one thing. Our weekend preview special. Ben Isaacs in the house to get in to all the key matchups this weekend. Some crackers as well. 49ers, Packers. We've got the Patriots, Cowboys. Really, really interesting lineup for you. We'll break down all the games for you. Make our picks and get you set for the weekend. Speaking of which, our Daily Fantasy League rolls on. Thanks to our friends at Paddy Power Fantasy. They've set up another tournament this Sunday, which is free to enter. Cash prizes to be won. What is not to love? Head to fantasy.paddypower.com forward slash league forward slash Nat Coombs show. That's how you get involved with that. We'll put that link out on our social media channels as well at the NC show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You'll find it on there. Get involved. Play against your fellow listeners. Have a lot of fun in the process. Our daily fantasy show drops on Saturday, of course, as well. Me and the OG getting it set for the weekend's action there. Right, let's get straight into it. And Ben Isaacs. Ben Isaacs, welcome back to ESPN HQ. How you doing, man? I'm good. Always, always better if I'm here with you. Looking dapper, I should point out as well. If you want to see how Ben is dressed, it's kind of late 80s hip hop retro vibe going on. Do you know what? I was worried. I almost wore this mm. to the um, Bears Raiders game, mm. and then I realised I'm wearing silver and black. It is silver and black. I will give the wrong impression, so I couldn't wear it. Probably wouldn't work well with your your, your Bears compadres, would it? If yeah, done that. it would have gone down very poorly. If you want to get a look at the. Uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff vibe that uh, <laughs> is dropping. Head over to ESPN UK, the YouTube channel. Uh, videos uh, on there and, of course, our social media channels. At the NC Show, we've got a ton to get into, of course, previewing all the games this weekend. And there are some crackers as well. Cowboys, Patriots, I'm looking forward to. How do we describe the Ravens game just before we came on um, <laughs> We We said they were going to be playing the Lamar Jacksons. Yeah. <laughs> which, obviously, it was just a kind of, it was a slip of the tongue. Because hmm. um, this is a team that is built very well top to bottom, but... Lamar Jackson, I mean, NFL MVP right now. Yeah, I get into all the big games this weekend. We are going to start, though, given the fact that Ben Isaacs is in the house with the big college news of the week, of the season, arguably, of the last few years, really. We talked about it on the Monday show, but we want to follow on, continue the story, and see where it's at, because it has significant implications, not just in the college playoff race and championship race, but, of course, for NFL teams going forwards. So let's talk to a tongue of Iowa. One of the great quarterbacks of his generation, the de facto number one pick on mock draft boards as far back as I can see, as far back as we looked at when he's going to be eligible. He was the number one consensus pick. Injures himself, desperately sad, dislocated hip, which is a serious injury, takes him out of course for the season. How far does this take him out of the draft race for 2020? Well, on Monday, the talk was out of the first round. Now, that was before he was going to have surgery. Everyone seems to be happy with how that surgery has gone, as happy as you can be at this stage. Obviously, a lot of it is about the rehabilitation rather than simply the work done under the knife. There's now a lot of talk that he would be mid-first round. Now, that's 
obviously totally different to going in the second round because if you go at the top of the second round you're still being picked by the same sort of teams that would be picking at the top of the first round the Bengals yeah exactly so and you know we were talking um, in the past about you know Dolphins and Tank for Tour and all that sort of stuff and the fact they've actually won some games and taken themselves out to a consideration may have worked out rather nicely for them if he goes mid-round then he will go to a team that is not awful but a team that is outside the playoffs, maybe a team that is rebuilding, maybe a team that is one piece away from being a playoff team. The Tennessee Titans, potentially. Exactly. So do you think that a team is, based on what's happened in the last 48, 72 hours, and the prognosis improving, do you think it's more likely that a team is going to gamble and take him in the first round or he'll still drop? What do you think is more likely to happen? I think now teams are more likely to gamble, but it it is a fluid situation. Right now, speaking... This week, yes, I think probably mid-first round. But as as his rehabilitation goes along and every team doctor will be running tests on him, all 32 teams will be investigating because he is in play now for every single team, which wasn't the case before. You know, if you were, if you were the New England Patriots or whoever, you know you're not going to be, you know, trading up to get the number one overall pick. But now he anyone could pick him. So every single doctor is going to go through absolutely everything with him and on draft day if he starts to fall mm. from if, if we're kind of thinking oh he will go mid-round if he goes if he starts to drop if you know if he's doing his Aaron Rodgers and he's sat there and he's waiting to be picked then it probably means that all those team doctors have seen something that is bothering them a mm. little bit enough to drop him out of the first round is he going to look as moody as Aaron Rodgers did as he drops down the I, first round I don't think anyone will look as moody um, as Aaron <laughs> sure. Rodgers or kind of he, he wasn't dressed very well either and of course that is, that's been a chip on Aaron, Rod- on Aaron Rodgers' shoulder ever since yeah. and maybe it's helped drive him to be the, be the player um, he is no doubt no yeah. doubt it has what you mentioned the Patriots sneaky possible destination now for two well do you know what the thing is if you are drafted First overall, and you know who I always think of? Vinny Testaverde, because mm-hmm. it's the first draft I remember reading about as a kid. He was the first overall picked in 1987. He was came out of the University of Miami, the U. They'd been dominant. He'd been fantastic, and he was picked by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were just a joke franchise at the time. They seemed to have, you know, picking the, the old top logo three. as well, wasn't exactly, it? Exactly, the, the old creamsicle, Bucko yeah. Bruce. You know, they picked in the top three every season, it seemed. And he had so much, he had so much pressure, and he was not a superstar really, for the Buccaneers. Um, but he had a very, very, very long career. Right. But the whole thing of sort of, if you're, you're the best player, obviously there's a chance you are going to end up on a team that is absolutely dreadful. David Carr, Texans, is the is the blueprint of that, right? Who just got battered every single week. It was like, okay, this is going to be your franchise, but they didn't have any talent to block for him. He didn't have anybody to throw the ball to, and it was it was brutal. So if Tua Tungavailoa was a Bengal, he was fit and he was a Bengal, I, he's not going to turn that team around by himself. There are so many holes all over. Whereas if he goes to a team like the Titans, for example, then they're a team that are kind of halfway there already. So that would be great for his kind of future win percentage. It'll mean he will earn less on his rookie contract, but rookie contracts have kind of been neutered in recent seasons anyway. Sure. You get that huge payout with your second contract. If he's If he's a Bengal and it's a disaster because there's no talent around him, that second contract... It may not even come. Mm. So if he ends up at a half-decent team, that second contract could be a monster one. So it's going to be very interesting for those teams who are kind of middling at the moment. Final point on Tua. Is there a chance that he doesn't get drafted next season? Not because teams don't 
want to take him because he decides I'm going to stay back in college for another year. He is draft eligible. He's got one year of eligibility left. And what he could do is be rehabilitated at Alabama where he's comfortable and he will be looked after by Nick Saban and will be put in situations where he is not asked to do too much right at the beginning and he can kind of grow into it. However, I think it's unlikely simply because he might play and become re-injured and then that will be it. He will never get that NFL contract. I think he's more likely to take that guaranteed money by going into the draft and rolling the dice than to try to rehabilitate at Alabama. But it is an option. And if any, if any team could persuade somebody of his caliber to come back and have one final season, it would be Alabama with Nick Saban. All right, then let's get to week 12. Oh, week 12. I can't believe it's week 12, Ben Isaacs. I feel, on the one hand, excited that Thanksgiving is just around the corner mm-hmm. and we're going to have a big Thanksgiving bash. Yeah. You looking forward to that? I am. I mean, who could put on a better Thanksgiving bash in this country than ESPN? I would Very say no fair one. point. You are a company man. Of Nothing course. Else. Loving that. So on the one hand, great. We got triple header. Thanksgiving, turkey, fizzy pops, all that, <laughs> all that jazz. The other side of it, of course, it means we're rolling through this season at breakneck pace. Yeah, it's when you get near the end of November and you know that the regular season is is coming to an end. I mean, December is wonderful because there are so many kind of de facto playoff games just to kind of to get in. But it is I see it all kind of slipping away when it comes to this this part of the year. It makes me feel a little bit sad. December is the cruelest month. Oh, yeah. yeah. My favorite of you is a gridiron fan. Let's start. There are a lot of cracking games. You did describe this weekend as some good games, some bad games, which I thought was a particularly hot take. Well, I I am a fan of the hot takes. Um, You'll remember when we did uh, the big show, which is what I like to call the uh, Friday podcast. When we did the big show early in the season. And we decided, or I decided, I'm going to take the credit that being 2-0 and is better than 0-2. Love it. Um, so my hot take is that this will be a good game, Cowboys-Patriots, but some of the games will not be as good as this one. I'm going to try, I'm going to make a promise right here, right now, I'm going to try it somewhere down the line to sneak in that particular hot take on another broadcast that I'm on, maybe guesting on, with a deadpan serious face. Oh, that I would be fantastic. We all know that going 2-0 and is like, do with the dead bad fans is impossible. <laughs> I think we all know that going 2-0 and is a lot better, a lot more preferable than going 0-2. Just see what everyone says. Is 2-0 and going better than drafting Tua? Ooh. No, Tua, 2-0, and and 0-2, and 2-2, and 2 you got Tua on the brain, mate, yeah, to be honest. I am obsessed with Tua right now. We need to move on from Tua and move on to the weekend. And we're going to start. There are a lot of cracking games. We'll start with Cowboys-Patriots, though. The number one offense versus the number one defense. If you look at certain statistical categories, certainly exciting. Certainly somebody's got to give in that respect in Foxborough. The Patriots, unsurprisingly heavy favorites going into this one. Justifiably so in your eyes, Ben? Um, I think so. I think the Patriots are the best team in the NFL. Ooh, and I'm, Ravens, the noise you can hear is Baltimore erupting at this oh, on the, YouTube right now. I, on, on listening on iTunes, Spotify, wherever, erupting. I imagine a lot of fans of the Baltimore Lamar Jacksons are very angry Harsh. to hear that. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, you know, let's not argue with facts. Let's yes. put the counter argument forward straight away with Go. the Patriots. You can't argue with this defense all season long. It has been, if not the best in show, we can week out amongst them, right? Yeah. Offensively, that is where the questions are. Are people walking towards the edge of the cliff and about to fall off with that take? Because we hear it every single <laughs> yeah. time. Every single time. And McDaniels and ultimately Belichick seem to sort it out. And they don't have enough, they don't have enough weapons for Brady. Brady is aging to the point where he's regressed and is not going to be the same anymore. All of these arguments get floated out year after year after year. 
is it different this year? Is it? There's no Gronk. Brady is a year older. He hasn't connected with Sanu yet. And Keel Harry's been injured for a long time. He hasn't really connected with him either. Edelman's doing all the heavy lifting. The running game's erratic. Are we saying that nobody believes in the Patriots? Because that's what Bill Belichick likes to right. likes to tell the team. No, everybody doubts us. Everybody doubts us. In the last week or two, the heightened voices that the Patriots are not as advertised. They've had a vanilla vanilla opponents vanilla schedule. They are not as strong as the Ravens. There are other teams in the AFC that could knock them off their perch. There are definitely teams in the NFC that are stronger than them. Are all of these people leading us down another blind Patriots alley? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about kind of how mediocre the Patriots are. The nine and one Patriots. Nine and one. That's how, that's how bad they are. And the fact that Tom Brady is nowhere near his best. What if he actually improves this season? What if he gets better? than the way that he's been playing. Sure. Then what? Hits his stride in the final third of the season. Exactly. This this team is still absolutely terrifying because the offense doesn't even need to do that much because the defense is scoring points. The, the defense is limiting every single team that it plays. Now, it's going to be a different conversation in the postseason up against the likes of the Ravens and potentially the Chiefs. But right now, to me, this is still the best team in the NFL until... Until they start losing a number of games. Until the 49ers, for example, the other team that um, people have somehow convinced themselves are the best team in the NFL. You say that as though you haven't convinced yourself that they are. I have certainly not. I mean, over the next three weeks will tell us more. Um, but right now, the Patriots, the Patriots are number one. Even though the Cowboys have the most complete offense, I'm just not sure how many points they can put on this Patriots team. Let's get into this Dallas Cowboys side then. They are 6-4. and four. Their season is very much hanging in the balance right now. It is not clear-cut they're going to make the playoffs, let alone have a deep run. The conventional wisdom on Dallas right now, if they don't make the NFC Championship game as a minimum, is bye-bye Jason Garrett. And I think that is totally fair. They have got the talent to make the NFC Championship game. Um... The only way they're going to make the playoffs is by winning the division. I don't think we're going to see a wild card team out of the East. The, it looks like right now the Vikings and the Seahawks are going to be in the playoffs. So they've got to win this division. And it's so tight. So tight. The Cowboys, their offense, in a way it's underachieved considering the, the talent that it's got and everything that's there. And, you know, they're not relying on um, Zeke quite as much. Well, as let's we look at that at all. He's had four games with less than 60 rushing yards this season what is going on they've, they've paid him one of those key assets that they've, they've decided to pay Zach Dak Prescott's going to be looking at that as well and there's talk of maybe franchise tagging him I don't know how that's going to play out Amari Cooper's going to want to pay there as well they've started off by paying Zeke and if anything he's become less productive since that happened yeah I thought that once they paid him once they kind of gave in to his demands that we were going to see them ride him all the way and just only give it to Dak when Zeke was hitting a wall they do need to be using him more because I don't believe I mean there's there's the idea that if you have if you have a couple of good running backs and obviously he's beyond a good running back I think he's probably the second best running back in the NFL as far as I'm concerned behind Saquon behind Saquon right now I'm not sure that's true I I just mean in terms of talent if I was if I was starting an NFL franchise right now and I could pick any running back and they're all fully fit yeah I would pick Saquon and my number two would be would be Zeke yeah so I would say if you if you're going to pay him, 
you want to use him. You don't want to be like, okay, we want to manage his time so we can get a long career out of him. Sure. Running backs don't have those long careers, although Zeke is a, is a special talent. Well, they do if you manage them in that way, though. Yes, but if you are paying him big bucks right now, hmm. you've got to maximize that rather window. than... Sure. Yeah, because Jason Garrett, it's no use to him if it's like, oh, I think Zeke is still going to be a weapon in six years' time. Hmm. When if you aren't using him as a weapon right now, you are going to be... Offensive coordinator for the Bengals. Exactly. I was just about to say an assistant in Cincinnati. So, <laughs> Weird. Uh, that's, yeah. we, we, I'm glad we're recording this because yeah. we will look ahead, look back rather in six years' time and see how accurate that is. Yeah, or when, uh, when he's won his sixth Super Bowl. <laughs> and he'll call you out. Yeah. I was just stumbling on YouTube and found, found this Welsh guy yeah. calling me out. Yeah, and that's what motivated me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's... They've only got themselves to blame if they don't make the NFC Championship. Um, I was on the, the Monday show a few um, a few weeks back, and I said this is an NFC Championship team. Mm. I'm not sure they're as good as the Packers. I'm not actually sure they're as good as the Seahawks. But they sh- they've got the opportunity and the talent to make it to the NFC Championship game. And if they don't make it, then, yeah, they need a change. They're not going to get a first-round buy prop. They should win the Ds, but it's unlikely they'll get a first-round buy. Yeah, I think it's very unlikely. And you say they should win it. Yeah, they should, but the the Eagles are still dangerous. You know, they're a, they're a tough out, and they, they aren't going to give up yet. So what's your hunch? They hold out and take the East, even if it is a tough battle. Do they make the championship game? Do they keep Jason Garrett for at least another season? Is that what Cowboys fans want? I mean, they want the championship game, but... A lot of the Cowboys fans seem quite divided on whether they want Jason Garrett moving forward. Well, well, yeah, it could be it could be a double-edged sword in that they might make the NFC Championship game and be very happy, and then Garrett keeps his job, but they don't get over that hump. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it now. I think the Cowboys are gonna lose to the Patriots. They are gonna win the NFC East, and they are gonna make it to the NFC Championship game. But they are not gonna get to the Super Bowl. Does Jason Garrett get his sixth ring? Uh, as yes, but as offensive coordinator with the Bengals, when when they go <laughs> when on, there, is when, yeah, of winning six consecutive Super Bowls. I'm glad he qualified that with Super Bowl rings. I was talking about. <laughs> well, it might have been on. XFL rings. Who's your pick? Cowboys, Patriots, definitely Patriots, definitely Patriots, definitely. I love that. I love that. I love the conviction there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I if I'm going to say the Patriots are the best team in the league, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to pick them at home. All right, Benny, let's go for the game of the weekend next. Green Bay heading to California to take on the 49ers. 8-2 and two Packers, 9-1 and one San Francisco. The latter coming off the back of that win against Arizona, which is quite deceptively flattering for them, of course. They almost lost that. Garoppolo masterminded the comeback drive. And then, of course, that final play of the game, defensive score because Arizona were throwing everything at the house to try and win it. So it was closer than it probably should have been. A bit too close for comfort. Nevertheless, four touchdowns for Garoppolo got the win they roll into this game a little bit banged up Debo Samuel Emmanuel Sanders Matt Breida Joe Staley all look like it could be game time decisions George Kittle should be back though as well so it's hard to be really precise on this one given there's a significant number of vagaries with injury let's assume most of those players start which way do you see it going I'm gonna say the thing that worries me about the 49ers is the way the Cardinals managed to almost completely shut down the run game mm. um and if you if you just looked at um you know the 400 odd yards from jimmy g you might think oh this is kind of a spectacular performance from him or the 49ers it was a very close game they mm. perhaps should have lost it you had a couple of picks in there as well we should it, point it exactly i I've, you know I, this season i think he's thrown 18 touchdowns and 10 interceptions mm. um he's actually one of the most turnover prone quarterbacks in the nfl this year and 
the thing with him is he should be a safe pair of hands. Even mm. if he's not being spectacular, he should be a safe pair of hands. And most of the time he has been, you know, and it's not, it's not been, when he, he hasn't made crucial turnovers at crucial times that had them lose the game. The injuries are a problem. Um, especially coming into this point of the season where they can really start to kind of um, cluster and cause you problems. And this is a playoff preview. There's a very good chance that this we will see this game in January, the, the Packers travelling to Santa Clara to play the 49ers. And I think that the Packers, it's, it's, I would say, do you, know, do you know who's my key for the Packers? Aaron. Aaron Jones, not Aaron Rodgers. Right. I think they want to feed him control the time of possession Aaron Rodgers can pick this 49ers team apart and I think the Packers are going to win this by more than a touchdown wow okay so let's talk about a lot of that firstly on the running game the I, I think a lot of people are connecting Kittle with the lack of productivity in this 49ers running game given his ability as a blocker as well they're yep. saying that his absence has a number of different effects including minimizing the impact of the ground game that's something i uh, i think has a lot of validity on the packers side 100% agree with you on this aaron jones 46.7% of green bay's touchdowns from scrimmage a courtesy of him. <laughs> yeah. it's almost half of their touchdowns yeah. are from him and you look at the limitations that Aaron Rodgers has had in terms of the rest of his weapons, injury and just lack of strength and depth, really, and lack of, of talent compared to, to years gone by in Green Bay. It's incredible that he's having a season where he's in the MVP conversation. If you look at the talent around him compared to most other teams, Aaron Jones uh, in particular notwithstanding, obviously Devontae Adams being injured, uh, a lot of the season is an issue. Uh it's remarkable what he's managing to do and that is entirely down well significantly down to his <coughs> generational talent but also that they seem to be Lafleur and Rogers seem to be connecting week on week on week and they're getting into a, a real flow now do you think that this Green Bay defense is strong enough because sometimes statistics are misleading so people say oh look they got the 28th ranked defense in the NFL at 32 that's in terms of yards per game, which can be, as we know, a very misleading stat. I think it's a very deceptive one, absolutely. They break into at least middle of the pack on points per game, obviously far more important, and third down conversions are a really significant defensive stat as well. They shoot right up to middle of the pack uh, statistically. So I think the Green Bay's defensive decline overstated, or inferiority overstated. So actually, I think they're quite a balanced side in many respects as well you think they win by a touchdown yeah I, I do do you know what this this Packers team reminds me of the Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl team more so than the team that went 15 and 1 and got bounced in the divisional round of the, of the playoffs which mm. was a more which is a more talented team yeah there's there's something going very well in Green Bay right now with Lafleur and Rodgers kind of being on the same page which was obviously not the case before um the defense is better than the statistics show. When there's when there's a crucial stop to be made, chances are they're going to make that stop. A lot of the yards they've been they've given up have kind of been in garbage time. I I, I really don't like the kind of the the yards per mm. game stat, like you said. It is a very well balanced team. Not taken away from the 49ers. I've kind of I've criticized the 49ers a little bit, but only because the bandwagon is just absolutely out of control. Um, I'm. I, th- I think this will be a, this will be a matchup in the divisional round of the mm. playoffs. You know, the 49ers should still cruise to a bye. 
But after this game, they've got um, they've got Baltimore and New Orleans. Mm. Now, what a stretch of games to play to play the Packers, the Saints, and the Ravens in consecutive weeks. Now, I'm not saying they're going to lose all three, but that is not beyond the realms of possibility. Sure. You can't look at those games and think, oh, well, there's no way the Packers are going to beat the 49ers. There's no way the Saints are going to beat the 49ers. There's no way the Ravens are going to beat the 49ers. Sure. They could find themselves on a three-game slide. Yeah. yeah. And I would still expect them to make the playoffs. It's very difficult to have their record now and then not make the playoffs. But we're going to learn a lot about this because they will may have to play the Saints again. They may well have to play the, the Packers again. Mm. And I think it's vital that they are not having to go to those places. So they need a good record. Get that first round by, ideally for them, lock up the first seed. Because I don't know if I would fancy the Saints traveling to the Superdome in mm. the playoffs, traveling to Lambeau in January in the playoffs. I mean, frankly... You mean the 49ers traveling to either of Sorry, yeah, yeah. should we do that again? No, that's right. Think, that's right. Well, okay. Yeah, now I've said that. <laughs> you have to do that, yeah. To remember, make a note, write this down, otherwise Harry will just put, just right. put, 49, uh, just put Packers chat. Yeah. Right. I think it's... I think it's vital that the Packers, um, that the 49ers get something out of this three-game stretch because it's really important they get the first round by. And for them, they really want to get that um, that first overall seeding so that they don't have to go on the road in the playoffs. I don't think I would fancy the 49ers going on the road at Lambeau in January. Mm. I don't think I'd fancy the 49ers going on the road to the Superdome in January. And frankly, if it came to it in the playoffs... And I don't think it, you know, I don't think it can come to this, but I wouldn't fancy them Minnesota. having Minnesota. I wouldn't, actually I would fancy them in Minnesota. Would you? I don't yeah. Know. I don't, wait, hey, but I, I'm not gonna, I'm, <laughs> our listeners are gonna be, don't tell me he's gonna go to that Minnesota again, so we'll park my <laughs> Minnesota loving for now, but yeah, who are you gonna say? Um, I was gonna say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fancy them having to go on the road in Seattle. Mm, okay. Um, Seattle I think may be the, I, they're in a tough spot. But Seattle may be the best team in the NFC. Do you we'll want to get onto that? The Packers' next three games. <laughs> Go on, Giants, Redskins, and Bears. Exactly. <laughs> now those that should that should be yeah. that should be three comfortable wins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know the so um, they could quite conceivably be the number one seed in three weeks' time. Absolutely. the the way that the way that their schedule has panned out compared with the Forty Nineers, where it's all kind of backloaded, where yeah. they've got all these tough games in November and December. Yeah, it's very different for Green Bay. You have convinced me as well. I was on the fence. I, I saw quite a lot of points in this, and when I was writing one of my columns, looking at this game in particular, suggesting it was going to the over was a decent look. Uh, I think it was forty-seven and a half all of these different things some of the things I've just mentioned injuries defensive they actually better not break defense the backers are thinking maybe but I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are going to be points on the board here I wasn't sure which way to call it but you've convinced me of the argument Benny Boy so I'm getting Packers for the Roman as well maybe not as easily as you're saying but uh, and you know if I've got no love for the Green Bay Packers I'm a Chicago Bears fan right you know that I'm but I am very realistic about the, the um, how good this team can be and that's even without Rodgers being surrounded by weapons let's take another big game Baltimore taking on the LA Rams the Ravens arguably the best team in football right now Ben would beg to differ they're certainly a top seed though there's no doubt about that and they 
cemented those credentials with a really impressive win against the Texans last weekend, dismantling Houston's offensive line, which was much improved after, you know, 18 months of hell. Seven sacks back to the bad old Texans protection there. Uh, Deshaun Watson was put totally off his stride as a result of that. Lamar Jackson, as we talked about on Monday's show with Nikki Bandini, another a heavyweight performance, four touchdowns, no picks, 79 yards on the ground. This is the number one ranked rushing offense in the NFL right now, but a very balanced side once again going up against an offensive line. Now, this was interesting because everyone is going on about the Rams offensive line as a key reason why they're not the same team uh, and certainly not the same offense that they were this time last season. And there are a number of young and experienced players on that line. But Jared Goff, Goff hasn't been sacked in four games. So, so I, yeah, I think, yeah, their, um, their pass protection is, is still pretty good. Mm. Unfortunately for them, Jared Goff is still Jared Goff. Yes. You know, anyway, threw the ball 19 times. So it's affecting the run, although Gurley had his most productive game of the season last time out as well. But that's still faint praise, isn't it? Because, you know, they've not, this is not the Gurley that we've seen in previous seasons. I think we have to accept that. The Ravens, the Rams, sorry, were an anomaly last season. That mm. was not, they really overachieved and they were kind of found out in the Super Bowl. And, you know, the, the signs were there when they uh, played the Bears on Sunday night football near the end of the season where if you, if you do things right, this offense becomes very one dimensional yes. and can't, and can't do anything. And yeah. that's what we've seen a lot of the times this year. I mean, because that's a really good point. People are saying, why is McVeigh, not being as dynamic as he was with his play calling. What's happened to all the jet sweeps? What's happened to all the trickery? Well, against the stronger defenses, they, they've worked that out. They can't, they can't play those against, they can't roll out those tricks against defenses like that. It's just not going to wash. It's a very, very typical evolution in the NFL that good defensive coordinators, good defenses will work you out. Yeah. They, you know, they had a, they had a game plan and identity, but everyone's had, you know, so many hours of game film to watch on that and they can figure those things out you have to keep adapting and evolving and i don't think they've got the players and the talent to do that well you know a strong line is instrumental in that whether you buy into Gurley hasn't declined physically it's more in terms of of everything else around him that that's gone into decline brandon cooks is a heavyweight receiver but he's out the whole time so you can kind of when you know when you lay it out on paper it it all kind of makes sense raven's surely are not going to find this one too difficult. Three is the spread on this one. They're minus three point favorites or road favorites. So that indicates that it should be, if you played on a neutral field, there's a six point differential between them as hell. Yeah, I mean... Does that sound about right to you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you are a road favorite and you are playing against a team with a winning record, which the Rams have, as mediocre as they've been, then that is quite significant. Mm. You know, if most teams who would think, okay, there's a chance we'll make the playoffs, we're playing at home, we've got a winning record, and you're still underdogs, that shows how good the team travelling into CU is, and that's how good Baltimore are. Where are the weaknesses in this Baltimore side, do you think? Um, Well, it's not a classic Ravens defence, certainly, and that's... You know, anyone who's watched the Ravens since the, the franchise was moved from Cleveland has seen a particular type of suffocating, aggressive, um, opportunistic defense. And the defense is fine right now, but it's, it's, you can, you can score on them. And my fear is, because I don't think there's a team that it's pretty I... strong secondary though, isn't it? Yeah. Um, my, my fear though right now is because I don't think there's a team I enjoy watching more right now than the Ravens. Mm. I just worry if something happens to Lamar Jackson, mm. 
what would happen to this team. But you know? could you not say that about 90% of NFL teams? I think he is so... Well, not the Bears. I think... Except the world would get better. Yeah. Um, I... Th- I think he is, he is so much a part of their identity and the way that they, the way that they want to play mm. that he is more significant to his team than any other quarterback right now. And that is why he is the, the leader as NFL MVP because he is the most valuable player for his team. You, you swap him out for somebody else and I think it's a completely different team. Okay. You're picking who in this one? I am picking the Ravens. Picking the Ravens, me too. I like the Ravens on the road. I don't know what this means. I just keep flip-flopping about the Rams season, and they are definitely a compelling, intriguing, I should say, team to to watch this season. And I wonder whether there's a few more twists in the tail yet, because I, everything we said, notwithstanding about defenses catching up and working things out, McVeigh hasn't suddenly become uh, a bad head coach. They haven't suddenly become an altogether bad side. I do think they could be dangerous in terms of a sucker punch if they make it into the wild card well, round. Absolutely. If they, if they win this, they are right in the wild card mix. Yeah. And they've got that experience. And, and you're right. Sean McVay has not turned into a bad coach, but that doesn't mean he, his team can't have a down season. Sure. Sure. And I would expect them to improve next year. This is a team that is reasonably well built. They've got a great, a great young coach. And this is not going to be the end of the Rams. It isn't that it was kind of like one and done. This is a team that can compete in the future. And if they pull out the win this week, then they are a legitimate playoff team. Now, we've talked about two of the MVP contenders already. Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson. Let's look at another one. Russell Wilson as the Seahawks head to Philly to take on the Eagles. Seattle 8-2 and two coming off a bye week, of course. Russell Wilson on the road this season, Ben. 5-0. and oh. And a passer rating of over 116. His 23 touchdowns to two picks ratio uh, this season. That's the fourth best at this stage of proceedings in a single season in NFL history. And puts, and puts Jimmy G's um, 18 and 10 into perspective. Very serious perspective. And of course, uh, he has therefore propelled not just himself into the MVP discussion, but the Seahawks very much in that uh, NFC uh, conversation, uh, deep player front conversation we were having earlier on. The Eagles, on the other hand, the only team that can surpass the Cowboys in the NFC East after that loss last week, disappointing loss to the Patriots, 17-10, uh, and not getting any kind of ground game going. The receivers getting criticism from all across uh, America, it seems, and beyond. Carson Wentz isn't, mm, the Eagles fans aren't sure if he's the guy they want anymore. It doesn't seem to me that this team at 500, despite the fact they're in a very winnable division, is anywhere close to having the kind of equilibrium and fluidity you need to, to mount a serious run for the playoffs in the final third of the season. No, I think if you, if you just watched chunks of Eagles games without knowing how they finished, I don't think you'd have them anywhere near 500. Mm. They've often looked shambolic. The the signing of Jordan Howard, who's a running back, I do like. But just like at the Bears, he's kind of feast and famine. You might get a game where he's got 150 yards, and then the next week he has 10 carries for like 13 or something. Yeah, They're not getting Alshon Jeffrey involved anywhere near as much as they should. He's got like 353 yards, and he's their second, second best yeah. receiver after Zach Ertz. They're so reliant on Zach Ertz. Carson Wentz... I mean, he doesn't fill me with confidence right now. But how much of that is connected? I mean, if you don't get, have any kind of ground game going on, Absolutely. also defensively not help being out. They haven't had a pick since week seven. They've got holes all over. Um, they don't seem to have a coherent game plan. Their big players are not making enough big plays. But on the other hand, 
they could have beaten the Patriots yeah, last they week. They held the Patriots to, to, to 17 points. I yeah. mean, that's no small matter. I mean, if they'd beaten the Patriots, we'd be talking about yeah. a team that is six and four, yeah. is equal with Dallas, and has just beaten arguably the best team in the NFL. Yeah. And the, the narrative's completely changed. Now, of course, they didn't win. They lost, as they, as they have done five times already this season. They don't feel like they're miles away from being a good team, but right now, uh, they wouldn't pass the eye test of what a playoff team should look like. Um, whereas Seattle, my word, I, I'm absolutely in love with their old school, efficient approach. I, I said earlier, they, to me, they, they're as good as anybody in the, NF, in the NFC. They've lost the game more than the, the 49ers and the Packers, but I don't think they're necessarily any worse as a complete unit than those teams if if they played on a neutral field i i think the 49ers and packers would really struggle with the seahawks and if the seahawks had home advantage then i think they'd be in the super bowl so you're picking the seahawks for the win here i am although i think it's going to be really really tight because mm. philadelphia if they've we know that they can do it. It's just they're not doing it. Mm. And they almost did it last week. And who's to say they won't pull out the performance at home this week? But I've got to give the advantage to Seattle. Yeah, me too. Taking Seattle too. Uh, let's get to some of the others. Uh, the Panthers head to New Orleans to take on the Saints, the resurgent Saints, of course, after uh, that a blip against Atlanta a couple of weeks back, uh, laying it on against the Buccaneers. Vintage Breeze, vintage Michael Thomas. Uh Alvin Kamara, no scores for him, but at least he got the ground uh, and no score for him last week. And he hasn't scored a touchdown in five games now that streak rolls. But at least they got the ground game established again uh, against the Bucks, which they had, had been failing to do, certainly against Atlanta the week before. Uh, they could have Martian Lattimore back as well. He went out in that Atlanta game, didn't play against the Bucks, could well be back in this game against a Carolina Panthers side that is kind of in free fall really after it started so promisingly for, for Kyle Allen and they now find themselves at five and five another team victim to this resurgent Atlanta Falcons side destroyed it 29-3 was the final of course uh, Allen coughing up the ball left right and center he's had nine picks since week eight which is the most in uh, the NFL so there's a real question here of course as to what the Panthers do with the quarterback position and it just seems to change week to week we were talking about it not so long ago that he might uh, Cam Newton might end up in Chicago that Kyle Allen seemed to be uh, composed enough for them to at least give a season two Fast forward a week. No, Kyle Allen isn't the guy going forwards. Maybe we should keep Cam. The Panthers completely divided about the future, but they've got to concentrate on the right now, the here and now, because they're still in the playoff mix just about. They're, yeah, they're still just about in it. Um, but I think we are now seeing Kyle Allen's limitations, at least at this point in his career. Are we though? Because, I mean, you know, he melted down against Atlanta. So to an extent, did Drew Brees, right? Um, no, true. I mean, but he's, he's one and three in his last four games and he hasn't looked great. Um, you make a good point about the way that, the way that Atlanta played against, um, the Saints. They were all over Drew Brees and that's, that's the Panthers' only chance of success this week. However, the Saints' pass rush is really underrated and I can see them getting in Kyle Allen's face the entire time. As always, the Carolina Panthers' success is going to come via Christian McCaffrey. Sure. Now, you may see a lot of stats this week about um, the Saints' success in limiting receiving yards by running backs, which is one of those kind of odd stats that you can kind of pull out. But 
the thing is, Christian McCaffrey is not most running backs. So just because you've done well stopping running backs from catching the ball doesn't mean you're going to do the same against Christian McCaffrey, who is the best at that in the whole NFL. Um, I don't see the Panthers winning this, and I think it could effectively end their season. I think the Saints are starting to get rolling at just the right time. Mm. Um, and I think they're going to be very difficult to beat in January. Oh, you know, we're talking about, oh, you know, it's it's November and kind of feeling melancholy. I'm already getting really psyched about the playoffs because I'm thinking about these yeah. really good teams facing each other that I'm just... Yeah, I'm kind of chumping a bit for that. The NFC is stacked, isn't it? It's oh, it's beautiful. really hard to call. Let's rattle through uh, the others. Dolphins uh, heading to the Browns. The Dolphins, of course, uh, are on the back of that loss to, sh- to uh, Buffalo, which many people thought might be a trap game for the Bills, uh, but no dice uh, there still. The things have been looking up for them in, in recent weeks, and at least they are putting in uh, battling performances by and large, and uh, things looking up for the Browns as well. In some respects, they've had the whole controversy of Miles Garrett, which rumbles on again in the last 24 hours. Uh, Garrett, in his appeal, suggested that a racial slur had been thrown at him by Mason Rudolph. The Steelers quarterback and the Steelers organization vehemently deny that. Hasn't changed the uh, indefinite suspension that Garrett uh, faces. He's out for the season. The Browns, we've talked on the show about the relatively straightforward running they have with the Ravens in that schedule notwithstanding. So at four and six, if they run the table, they could mathematically make the playoffs. And this is one of those games that you think it's in Cleveland. They should win comfortably. Will they win comfortably, Ben? Um, I'm going to say not comfortably. Mm. I'm going to say they're going to win. I think they should just rely on Chubb, just keep giving him the ball and let him wear down a, a not great Miami defense. Baker Mayfield, no turnovers in the last three games. Yep. He's kind of been playing it safe. He should find enough against Miami to to win. But I think the key is going to be the Browns, even without Miles Garrett, should be able to get after Fitzpatrick. He's always getting hit. That that Miami offensive line is just you know porous, mm. and they just they're just going to keep Fitzpatrick off balance. He's not going to be able to complete many passes. I think that'll just kind of rumble along they'll probably win by about 10 points and it, it would be more if it wasn't for the fact they're just going to have a very slow paced offense i think they're going to have five they're going to have nine and seven and freddie kitchens keeps his job that's my prediction i i, I do you know what i the thing with freddie kitchens when we talked before about kind of um could he get fired after one season and my thought was that you've got to give someone more than one year unless there's the idea unless it's well in this case because unless the idea that they may have lost the team and the team mm. doesn't have respect for him. And the crazy things that kind of have been going on makes me think that maybe he has lost the players. I don't know if anyone can have that. I mean, with the exception of, you know, maybe maybe we need Mike Singletary back in the NFL. Maybe that's what they... <laughs> maybe that's what the Can't do it. Can't do it. Needs a bit of discipline. <laughs> forget, forget any football acumen on the field, as long as there's discipline there. Um, hey, what about Jason Garrett as the Browns head coach next season? Do you know what stranger things have happened i think baker would like it but yeah no i i don't see that i don't i don't think i was listening to adnan verk in lombardi's podcast and there was some report they were taking the mickey out of suggesting that garrett could there's a new jersey media title it said that garrett for the giants 
could oh, be on. Boy. Oh, <laughs> it just looked like no. a completely placed PR piece. They were slagging that off. Um, so already there's clamoring for Jason Garrett. How about that? All right, we've got to wrap through the others. So uh, I guess we're both going for a Browns win there. I think the Raiders get the road win at the Jets. I know the Jets have won back-to-back games, but they've been against Washington and the New York Giants. So don't read a huge amount into that. And the Raiders right in the mix, of course, six and four. Uh, if not for the division, then for a wild card. It's a decent run defense, of course, the Jets have, and they've limited the opposition that they faced in a struggling side. Only one team and one player has had over 100 rushing yards against him. Zeke Elliott, that was for the Cowboys. So you could argue that they might neutralize Josh Jacobs, but I think there's still enough weapons to go around here uh, for uh, Derek Carr and co. I think the Raiders get the road win. I don't think it's straightforward, but I think they still win. Do you know what? I've seen a few people um, picking the Jets um, to win this mm. um, for spurious reasons, partly because it's kind of um, like a trap game. And what a compliment to the Raiders that people are calling any game that they play a trap game when yeah. they are not the trap themselves. Yes. That's, how, yeah, that's yeah. how far they've come. Right. They're a really solidly built team, and they're built to be able to withstand weaker teams like the Jets. I, I definitely see a Raiders victory as they continue their march to playoff contention nice lions redskins cannot wait for this one. Oh, well <laughs> do you know what though there could be there could be points because the, the the defenses are bad but the two quarterbacks on display i this would be an easy win i think for the lions if they had matt stafford but they've got jeff driscoll so maybe not. You know, I like Dwayne Haskins. Driscoll showed a bit last week. I haven't watched the game in its entirety because we were doing the radio show Red Zone and, uh, and I so was watching what was going on there and watching the highlights back. I haven't watched the whole game, so I might be misguided here. Lions fans hit me up if you think I'm off the market, but it, you know, he showed, he, I, you know, I don't, showed, think, I don't, showed me quite a lot. I don't think he's bad. It's just I, I happen to think that Stafford is perhaps the most underrated quarterback in the NFL and I think if they would cruise to victory with him, Jeff Driscoll, yes is going to have some ups and downs in Stafford. this game. Right. And, but Washington are terrible. <laughs> um, the Detroit defense really struggled against the Cowboys, but here's a hot take. Ooh. The Washington defense is not as good as the Dallas defense. Hot take. And I think, I think the Lions are going to win this. I think the Lions... The Lions are not a bad team. The Washington is a bad team. Steelers-Bengals. Well, do you know what? I've seen a lot of people say this is where the Bengals will get their will get their victory. Um, I don't see it. Juju's probably out there saying, right? Yeah. He's expected to play because of his knee injury. So, and James Connor is questionable. So they already depleted the Steelers even more so. So I guess the question is, can the Bengals, what, I mean, are they going to need to, they're going to need to put 24 points on the board, you would think, to win this? Yeah, and I, I, I just can't see them doing that no, against I, the Steelers' defense. No, the Steelers' defense is being really good. And the Bengals' offense, right, really have not been good. Yeah. I think I could I could see potentially Mason Rudolph making enough mistakes to kind of keep the Bengals in the game potentially, but this seems like it's set up really nicely for Mason Rudolph and really badly for the for the Bengals offense. I actually think this is going to be a a comfortable Steelers win. Tough game. I'm picking the Steelers as well, 100% on that. A tough game to call is the Broncos at the Bills. So Denver traveling to Buffalo. They are four-point favorites, the Bills, in this one. And a lot of people fancy the Broncos with the points. Not necessarily to win straight up, but the fact they'll uh, keep it tight, which, of course, they have been um, uh, able to do uh, many times, just as they did last week, just losing by the four points 
to uh, the Minnesota Vikings. That remarkable comeback, of course, after Denver dominated the first half and Minnesota looked uh, completely uh, away uh, and done and dusted. But um, but Kirk Cousins masterminding <laughs> the, <laughs> the comeback. Uh, the Broncos, one of only two teams with fewer than 25 points in each of their 10 games. They haven't got 25 points uh, Cincinnati, the only other ones, right? So again, it goes back to if the Bills can put up enough points in this Broncos D, then they'll walk it. You don't, you can't imagine um, this is the game that the Broncos offense suddenly comes to life, uh, given they're up against a fairly stern Bills defense. Yeah, um, we've seen no evidence that this that this would be the week that it would mm. happen. They absolutely capitulated against Minnesota. They mm. should have put that. So they should have put that game away. Obviously, the offense just went missing. The defense... Right at the end, though, I mean, Brandon Allen fair played him on that drive. Showed a lot of moxie, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I, they they still had opportunities to win despite playing so badly in the second half. And, you know, I, I know that you've said that the Vikings are obviously going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> but Back-to-back Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they, they really showed their... Their limitations. I mean, Benny Kirk Cousins MVP, Super Bowl MVP. Oh, I mean, look it up. Cousins did torch the Denver pass defense, which genuinely did surprise me. Keep talking. I'm looking up Kirk Cousins Super Bowl MVP odds. Oh yeah, I mean, lump on for that one. Um, I'm. I think that I don't think they're going to have an answer to uh, Brandon Allen and John Brown, uh, Josh Allen, John Brown. It's this Bills team is a playoff team. I don't think they're going to win a playoff game, but they're going to win this game. The Bills win this game. Yeah, I'm with you on that one as well. I think they take it down. Quick line on the others. Bucks, uh, the Falcons. The Falcons keep their resurgence going and get uh, their third straight win. Um, potentially. Yeah, in fact, yeah. I am going to say the Falcons. And I think this will have the most passing yards of any game this season because the pass defenses are both really bad. I think the over-under is about 74 points. Uh, yeah, I'd like to know <laughs> what the game. over-under is on the, on the passing yards. It might be like about mm, a thousand. thousand. <laughs> um yeah, I think it's going to come down to the fact the Falcons actually have a a decent pass rush, and the Buccaneers cannot protect Winston. They both got um, they're both good at rush defense, but I don't think we're going to see much action from the running backs anyway. The Falcons are going to win this, and it will it it could be a bit of a kind of barn burner. Uh, finally, the Jags at the Titans. The Jags after that defeat against the Colts last week are, are out of it now. Surely four and six they fall to Nick Foles. That was his first game back after injury in week one of the season, but couldn't get much going uh, at all. He did hit up DJ Shark for a touchdown, and Shark mm, could be an injury doubt. Keep an eye on this one. Certainly fantasy owners checked that one out. The Titans off for bye week. They're 5-5, five and five, so they're still very much in the mix, getting their ground game going. Derek Henry in particular, and we talked at the top of the show about Tennessee being a decent destination for Tua, uh, maybe they don't need him. Maybe they found their quarterback of the next few years, Ryan Tannehill, over uh, what 107.5 to be precise, his passer rating this season. That is the fourth highest in the NFL. Um, so would you take Tannehill over Tua? Mm, depends on what else I could get instead of Tua. I mean, it was, it was all about the value, right? Yeah, it depends on what else I could get instead of Tua. If Tannehill, if Tannehill at the moment is looking composed maybe this is the right fit for him i'm i'm really intrigued by this game because this is the time for titans to just poo or get off the pot basically <laughs> they've got to be winning these games if they're going to stay in what is a very exciting wild card race in the afc in theory they should be able to just ride henry to victory because um the jags rushing defense is bad i think they allow more than five yards per carry on average so they should just keep pounding in that way but like with 
with Tannehill, they've got to just limit his dropbacks um, because he's still taking a lot of sacks, and that's not not entirely his fault. Um, I think that the Titans are, are a team that is intriguing, whereas I don't know what to make of the Jags mm. and the way that, like Leonard Fournette. Well, I mean, overall rushing, they had nine rushes last week, mm. eight eight carries from Leonard Fournette. He's barely barely touching the ball. Well, they were chasing the game, weren't they? That's kind of, I guess, something to do with it. But but at the beginning, just yeah. g- keep giving him the ball. Yeah. You know, he is he is a very talented guy when he's when he's healthy. If you've got him healthy now, just keep using him. Mm. He's so powerful, such a violent runner that I think you've got to you've got to make more use of him. I'm I'm frustrated by the Jags, but this is kind of a sneaky good game to watch this mm. week. There were some there were some much flashier games, but the Titans are really kind of fighting for their lives. Yeah. It's a nice little rivalry. There's yeah. some nice little kind of stories going on. I'm taking Titans. I'm taking the Titans too. Oh, we agreed. Have we disagreed on anything? Not sure we have. I don't know. We'll We're going to have to find something. Yeah, the producer to go back over the tape. I'm yeah. not sure. Uh, well, I'm taking the Texans and Thursday Night Football. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I fancy them. I'm going yeah. uh, to get Hopkins on my fantasy league team. Good shout. I can see him getting, going deep. Yeah. Going deep. Uh, the Vikings, Chargers, Cards and Chiefs, if you've done the maths by now, are the teams on a bye this week. So uh, that explains why we haven't got into them, although I did talk a bit about the Vikings, I guess. Benny, it's always a pleasure. At Tweets from Ben. But we mm. haven't mentioned the biggest game of the week. I was just about to plug your... My book, Good. my book, my Twitter account. They're all fantastic things. We missed a game? I mean, Bears Giants. Oh, sorry. Now, the thing How is, I forget? one of the things that came across when I was um, when I was writing my book today in NFL history nice. is that the, the most common matchup in either NFL championship game or Super Bowl history is Bears Giants. No way. Which is kind of an underrated rivalry. Now, obviously, they can't meet in a Super Bowl now. And, you know, they're both miles away from being in a Super Bowl. <laughs> but this is a wonderful, historic rivalry. And, you you know, they, they played championship games against each other in the 30s and the 40s and, you know, the 60s, all these decades. And now I think we would watch this game this weekend and think this is like watching teams from the 1930s. It's... <laughs> It's going to be bad. The nice little stat, whenever they've played in the postseason, mm. the winner has won the NFL title or the Super Bowl that season. Mm. This is not in the, the postseason. It is not, and they are nowhere near, as you said, the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, just because you're here, I'm picking the Bears to win. I'm going to pick the Bears. <laughs> oh, no, we've got to disagree on one. So I'm going to pick the Giants then. You can't pick against your own team. I can't I make can. You I'll go Giants. I'm having to go oh. Giants. I really don't care about right. this game, so no, I, I don't even care. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it just to make myself suffer. <laughs> Are you? You're just gonna sit there, yeah, and ignore red zone and just watch this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hate watch it, and yeah, I'm gonna make my, watch it. I'm gonna make my daughter watch it and just say, look, this, this is what life and this is what sport will do to Bad you. Parenting. It will make you miserable. Maybe it's good parenting. Yeah, maybe it's good it's, parenting. They, she's gonna learn a lesson. At Tweets for Ben is how you follow the big man on Twitter and one more plug for your book. Oh, uh, so that's on Amazon right now today in NFL history. If you um, search nflhistorybook.com, you'll find it there. And also, if you go on my Twitter account, there's a link directly to buy it. At Tweets for Ben, best forward in the history of, of it was contemporary literature. Spectacular. It was worth the wait. <laughs> Benny, we'll see you soon, man. Take care. Thank you. I'll see you soon. Fine work from Ben and more from him, of course, throughout the course of the season. Enjoy the weekend. Some absolute belters, aren't there? Can't wait to get stuck into those. And don't forget our daily fantasy competition, fantasy.paddypower.com forward slash league forward slash Nat Coombe show. Go click the link via our social media channels. Get involved, free to enter. 
Have fun with that. The Fantasy Show drops tomorrow morning, Saturday morning, that is. We're back on Monday looking back at all the key action. We'll see you then. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.